Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Strength to Strength. It's good to see see you on here. Um, at Strength to Strength, our, our purpose here is to build Jesus' kingdom through many, meaningful edification, discipleship, um, and fellowship. So my name is Brian Martin. Um, I would know quite a, quite a lot of you from from our our morning calls, and I'm assuming we'll probably have a lot of new people joining this afternoon. So I live in State College here, State College, Pennsylvania. I'm part of the Followers of Jesus congregation. I have six children, and I have the privilege of being part of the admin team here at Strength to Strength. Um, just a couple uh, announcements here. Um, make sure that you keep your device muted. Uh, I think for those on Zoom, you actually can unmute yourself. Um, but in this, uh, for this Q&A, we will not be taking live questions, but rather questions through the chat. So obviously, we've had questions submitted already. Um, but uh, as we go along, I'm sure you'll have some more, more questions. So you, you're, you can feel free to submit those to the chat button at the bottom of your screen. Um, so no, no live questions, just via chat. And by the way, when you submit those questions, I think everybody's going to be able to see those. So just, just FYI. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully we can, we can take those questions uh, if we have time. We have quite a lot of questions. And, and uh, David said this morning that he thinks, or yesterday, said he thinks we've got, a, we've got plenty to go on. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. So just I want to introduce Brother David here. David, could you say hi? Hi. For us? Yes. All right. There we go. Okay. Um, Brother David, it's a real privilege to have you here. Uh, David lives in Chambersburg with his wife and three children and several grandchildren. He's an elder at his congregation there, Chambersburg Christian Fellowship. And uh, many of us would know David because of his writings, or we've we've listened to um, his CDs or, or, or YouTube videos, teachings. Uh, so many of us are have, have uh, sat under his teaching uh, before. Uh, David focuses on the teaching of the early church and specifically the kingdom of God and how that uh, applies to us today. Uh, you can view and purchase his work at scrollpublishing.com. Um, there's two books that I would recommend. Um, I forgot to pull the other book up. So I got one book here, right, that, that I can show here on the screen uh, of his and this, this book here has impacted me greatly and, and many people that, that I know. I always carry a stack of these with me. I'm on a trip. Um, I've got a, a stack right here in my office. Uh, and it's, it's the title, The Kingdom That Turned the World Upside Down. Uh, when we met earlier with David, I asked him, I said, what is your second most popular book? And, um, and he said that, or his most popular book actually is, Will the Real Heretic Please Stand Up? Right, David? Okay. Right, yeah. Um, but in regards to our subject today, we thought maybe a second book that could fit, you know, fit into this theme would be um, In God We Don't Trust. So that's another great, great book. Um, interestingly, David, thank you, David. Right there it is. Yeah. <laughs> In God We Don't Trust. Appreciate that. Um, interestingly, David, just less than five days ago, we met last Saturday this time to talk about this, this talk. And you told me your most popular book was A Real Heretic, Please Stand Up. I, on Sunday, I walked down the street to a neighbor who was outside. We got talking. And, and, and five years ago, when we moved here, I discovered that this gentleman was reading Brousseau. <laughs> I can't believe it. 
And so we've connected. He's he's attended a church occasionally. Um, he's he's he has some of his uh, struggles, but he um uh, he's he's listened to some of your your stuff, and uh, he, he was telling me how uh, the rural heretic please stand up book that's giving him a lot of like channeling and direction in crazy times like this. So just a little plug plug for that book. Uh, but before we jump into our questions here, I would like to also introduce um, another one of the admin team, and that is Sam Bear. He's going to be joining us here uh, and, and hosting and hosting this this uh, Q and A. Sam, could you just say hi? Oh, I see. Hey. There we go. Hello, okay. everyone. All right, good to see you. Um, so Sam is from Cockerton, Alberta. Uh, one time I made a mistake of saying he's from Calgary, Alberta, and uh, he, he really corrected me on that one. He's not from Calgary, <laughs> but right on the outskirts. So I, I found that. A uh, little, little inside scoop that is some of the culture of, of Southern Alberta. So that's right. Yeah. And they have two children expecting their third one here shortly. Um, and really, God has been doing exciting work in their lives in the last two years. I think mm-hmm. about exactly two years ago, Sam called me um, with this amazing news of how um, he made his, his, his life right with God and his wife, who grew up on church. Um, was was uh, was with them on the journey, and today they're they're Kingdom Christians and. Mm-hmm. Um, God is using them in amazing ways. So I asked Sam to give us a little bit of an overview uh, of their story, a real quick little uh, snapshot, and then also lead us in prayer before we um, get started here. So Sam. Sure. Thanks, Brian. Um, just to share a little bit uh, about my journey. Um, I was raised in a godly home and went to a conservative church, and I left the faith when I was in my early 20s. Um, during that time, away, I met my wife, Christina. Christina was raised without much of an understanding of the Bible and knowledge of it. Um, After we were, just give you a quick rundown here, after we were married for a few years um, and our second child had been born, we decided to attend a Baptist church here in Cochrane. Um, I was being drawn by the living word. Um, I was feeling a pull to start reading my Bible. Christina wasn't aware of it. And after two Sundays of attending church, Uh, Christina was saved and I recommitted my life to the Lord. Um, We were obviously primed and ready to hear the gospel and make a change in our lives. Um, The mercy of God is is beyond our comprehension. Uh, Our lives took a major turn, of course, and our home was filled with joy and hope that we hadn't experienced before. And we became quite involved in the church there and were baptized. Um, Christina heard of David Bersow's book, The Kingdom That Turned the World Upside Down, and started listening to it on, on Audible, and she kept telling me, you know, you got to hear this, and she would play me clips out of it. Um, as a new Christian, it was exciting and gave her insight into understanding the teachings of Christ um, from a kingdom perspective. And so, of course, she strongly recommended I um, read it or listen to it. I downloaded it and listened to it as well, and it opened my eyes to the glory of Christ's kingdom Um, that he established here on the earth through his life and his death and his resurrection. And I, I, since that paradigm shift um, for our lives, it was obvious that our paths weren't following the same direction uh, as the church we were fellowshipping with. So it didn't take very long um, following the teachings of Christ, the way it's outlined in that book till we stopped fellowshipping with that church and We had run into other families that were not happy with the churches they were going to as well because of lack of sound teaching. And so we ended up fellowshipping here in our home. Um, So the catching a vision of the glory of the kingdom um, is a life altering thing for sure. 
And so with that, I think we'll go on to the, uh, to a prayer. All right, let's pray. Father, we glorify your name. We lift your name up in praise and adoration for your mercy for us. We thank you that you sent your son to live out a life, an example, a perfect example of the way that you would have us live. We thank you that he died and rose again, that we can have newness of life. We thank you that he founded a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, and that he is sitting at your right hand reigning. We pray, Lord, through this conversation today that we would catch a vision of that kingdom anew and that Christ would reign in each one of our hearts. These questions come from places of conflict sometimes, of misunderstanding. Um, there's very real and daily struggles that we face. We pray, Lord, that the answers to the questions would be founded on your word yes. and that um, your name would be glorified through them that we can have your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives here today. May your Holy Spirit have a hand in this conversation so that Jesus could be lifted up as our King. We pray this all in his name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sam. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Um, so I made, I made this quick announcement at the beginning. I'll do it again. I see a lot of people have just jumped on. Um, so, uh, if you have any questions that, that come up as we go along here, feel free to chat them to us um, via the chat button, and we'll try to get to those if 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 we can at the end. Um, and uh, and by the way, when you chat that, most likely I think everyone everyone's going to see those those questions. So, okay, so let's jump into uh, the work of the afternoon here. Uh, our theme is direction and chaos, and I'd love to know how many of you. Uh, saw the word chaos this week uh, in news articles, and I did. I, it's probably because I was thinking about it, but it was there was popping up everywhere chaos. And you know, about a month and a half ago, as as the admin team here, we, we were kind of dreaming about what could happen here at S2S. We thought, well, why not? You know, most likely this week or this month, in particular with the inauguration coming up here, um, it's going to probably be a crazy month. And as we know, um, as as people as citizens of the United States um, and people living here uh, and actually, and also as, as we look at the sobering reality of how many Christians have gotten drawn into this, to this political world. Um, we thought, why don't we pull in brother David and talk about this from a kingdom framework and how, how can we cut through the noise? How do we live in our day to day? So, but yeah, just a quick little overview, you know, a, a, a year ago, none of us would have imagined what could have happened in the last year? You have COVID-19, of course. Uh, you have a contested election, which we, we, we knew that was coming for the most part. Had no idea what it turned into. Uh, we have you know, manifestations of, of racism. Uh, we have rioting on the streets, restricted freedoms. The list could go on and on. And we were hoping that would all just stay back in 2020. But here we are a week and a couple of days into 2021, and, and it has not stopped. Uh, there's lots of chaos. You know, we have the what happened this week. You know, with uh, the the riots and and the taking over of the Capitol building, with people waving flags that said things like "Jesus is my savior," "Trump is my president." Uh, there were yellow flags that said "Jesus saves." Um, lots of sad, sad things happening uh, in this nation, and as we know, um, around the world. So, what is the way forward? 
And, and how do we re relate to these things? Um, here at uh, Strength to Strength, the, the core of us, the, the admin team, we, we, we're, not, we're not apologetic. We believe it's the kingdom of God is, is the answer uh, for our day. Um, we, we believe it's people like you and I um, embracing, displaying, and proclaiming the kingdom of God. But what does that look like? And so we, we've asked you all uh, for your questions. We've got a lot of good questions in. Uh, we compiled some of those and, and, and tried to distill them down uh, so we could actually kind of hit uh, the different topics and questions that came in. So, Brother David, are you ready for your first question? I'm ready. Yep. Okay. All right. So first question here we have is um, well, that was submitted. For some reason, conservative Anabaptists can see the danger of aligning with Biden or the left, if you will. But so, so many are sucked right into supporting Trump and, and his narratives, you know, at least in their closet. What happened to the Anabaptist vision? And then another question that came in right alongside of that is, why do plain people react so predict predictably in line with the Republican Party? So there you go, Brother David, two questions for you. Okay, so... Somewhere along the line, um, the Anabaptists have lost the concept of the two kingdoms. Not completely. I mean, I should say it's weakening. Let's put it that way. I mean, as far as going to war, um, as far as voting, I hope at least most conservative Anabaptists outside of the old orders, I don't think vote quite yet. Uh, mm. Let's hope hope the direction will go the other way. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things I discovered when I came into the Anabaptist world that was a real surprise to me, as I think most of you know, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, and um, I would say they have a better concept of the two kingdoms than we do, surprisingly. Uh, at least at the time I left, I, I couldn't answer for right now. I, I assume nothing has changed. Now, we didn't call it the two kingdoms. We called it neutrality. Um, but I honestly, I can't think of any political discussions when we were together. I mean, you know, occasionally there might be something talked about because it was in the news. But um, I know personally, the only thing I ever cared about uh, on an election was whether this party or that was most apt to uh, end the uh, military draft or, or not. Uh, hmm. Outside of that, I don't I don't think I cared. Now, to be fair, part of that was Jehovah's Witnesses. We all thought the end was coming in a few years. So what difference did it make? And if things got bad, we looked at that as further sign that the end was close at hand. So you didn't necessarily mind because if things looked really bad, like in the sixties, all these riots everywhere and all of that convinced us. Yeah. The end is, is pretty close, but we stayed out of all of it. it. I mean, that was, that was a third party. I mean, you know, what was going on in the world wasn't our concern. Our concern was to get out and preach the kingdom of God. Now, it was a defective message about the kingdom, to be sure, but 
that's what we were thinking about, not not you know this political party or that or or, or that sort of thing. So. I thought it was the same. You know, when I came in among the Anabaptists, I expected it would be exactly the same. And I was surprised, you know, you sit around at fellowship meals and the discussions were decidedly political. Nobody that I was around voted, but wow, they certainly were heavily involved. So if mentally you're so involved in it, at some point you are going to start voting and that sort of thing. Cause you, you've lost the two kingdoms. You've mentally decided this party or that is the answer. Now, yeah. Why do they line with the Republican party? Um, that I can understand, uh, particularly at my age, I've noticed a lot of the younger Anabaptists and a lot of the ones who I would say are more, uh, intellectually inclined, think more outside the box. I've seen this fairly strong leaning towards the left. And I've noticed that in a lot of conversations, a lot of things they say that, yeah, they've mentally now lined up with the left, I'm sure with a few reservations. And, and yeah, we need to stay out of both sides. But for someone my age, what I have seen in this country I was born in 1950, uh, going to public school. I mean, we read the Bible in school. I remember one of the assignments in show and tell uh, when I was in third grade was to uh, memorize a Bible verse and give it during show and tell. Um, And of course, I gave one of the verses that we Jehovah's Witnesses liked, and um, we prayed (laughs) in school, and... um, yeah, I mean, people looked at this as a country that stood for God. Um, and, of course, it was very defective. I mean, you know, as Jehovah's Witnesses, we looked at it like, yeah, it's all false religion. But, um, yeah, looking back, it was nice that people, you know, it wasn't viewed as an atheistic country that, yeah, officially we can't pray to God at public events and we can't we can't do that. Um, no one would have ever dreamed when I was young that we would have uh, marrying homosexuals. I mean, that would have just not, I, I, I wouldn't think even 1% of the population would have thought we would have that in, in their lifetime. So that has all come in from the left. Uh, a lot of it has been from leftist judges on the courts. Uh, a very high percentage of it has come from the courts. but. Yeah, so it's Christian and then abortion. Uh, again, totally from the left. So, yeah, as a Christian, you can see that the Republican Party at this moment in time is more favorable towards the Bible, towards Christians, Bible-believing Christians, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, the other side of it, they tend to be more militaristic, um, um yeah, maybe less kind, less less socially conscious. I mean, it's not God's party. I mean, it's like, stay away from it. I mean, stay away from both of them. Uh, I, I keep thinking of the scripture where Paul said, uh, Satan appears as an angel of light. And that's with yes. both parties. People are people who lean towards the left. They look at, oh, all these good things that the... Right. Uh, Democrats stand for, you, you know, uh, uh, an end to racism and, the, and this and that. And of course, the left, they look at, 
yeah, the Republican Party wants God back into things and 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 all of that. And uh, they're both deceptive. They're they're both you know the kingdoms of this world are under the sway of of Satan, not not under God. Their authority is from God, but but not their direction. And you know, I was thinking this afternoon on this. The Jews. This was during the time of the Maccabees. Um, I hope some of you, from my influence, have have had the uh, courage to pick up the Book of Maccabees and read it. I don't. I don't know how many of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the plug, there, Brother David. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was the time. After the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, you know, we we find out what happened under the rule of the Seleucid Empire. These were the Greeks, and they persecuted the Jews, and the, the Jews finally were able to overthrow them and have an independent kingdom for about a century. But during that time, they made friends and became allies, official allies with the Romans. They saw that the Romans, this was the rising power, and um, that they were very friendly towards people who made friendship with them. And so they entered into a formal alliance with the Romans that each side would help the other. Well, yeah, I don't know that the Romans ever actually helped them, but what happened, um, I'm thinking the year about 50 BC, that two Jewish brothers uh, who both wanted to be king who both had some claim to the throne, they went to Pompey the Great, the the Roman emperor, and asked for his help, each of them independently, uh, to put them on the throne. In the end, neither one of them got on the throne, and Pompey came in, and the Romans took over Judea. And the lesson to that for me was, you don't look to this world and count on it to be your friend. That lesson is all throughout the Old Testament. The Jews were not to make alliances with the nations. And when these Jews, who otherwise were were faithful, who died for their faith, they turned to Rome. And long after the ones who made the the alliance were dead, Mm. yeah, it backfired on them in a big way. So, yeah, don't count on the Republican Party. Don't count on the Democratic Party. Either one can turn on us, and either one and or both probably will at some point. If sure. I could jump in here, yeah. Um, yeah, just because a nation or a party gets close to kingdom principles doesn't mean that they're a kingdom nation or a kingdom party. And I think that's a would be an important um, thing to keep in mind with that as well, because that's been the downfall of many Christians when you know a political party does come close to kingdom principles, then, well, let's just jump on that because we're going to somehow we're going to use a man's platform to to push forward kingdom principles. Um, A question I thought of for that would um, how much is the consumption of news play into that losing of the Anabaptist vision of the two kingdoms? Watch watch it, Sam. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I would say (laughs) virtually 100 percent. As I told Bryant, when he uh, told me the topic, I said, now, I need to forewarn you, I I don't read the news anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did up until maybe three years ago, uh, primarily from a conservative perspective, Fox News, uh, Wall Street Journal, 
I did look at, well, you can hardly avoid the other. It's, it's in front of you everywhere you go. Uh, hoping between the two, I get a little bit of balance. They're both so prejudiced, whichever side you go on, and neither side is trying to be the least bit objective. Mm-hmm. But I realize, you know, this is just sucking me into all of these controversies mm-hmm. that are not kingdom controversies. And I'm not saying it's wrong if others want to, to you know, watch the uh, news uh, online or, or read newspapers, but I just realized I just don't, I don't need this. It's affecting me. And I just, yeah, got off uh, the whole thing. So yeah, that's what's feeding it all on both sides. I've, I've noticed the ones who lean toward the democratic party. Yeah. They read all of these magazines and, and things, and they think they know all of the answers because of that. And the others, yeah, they watch Fox News. They, they go to different um, internet blogs and, and things like that, and they think they know what's going on. And they don't realize both sides will lie through their teeth mm-hmm. when it helps their end. Neither side is objective. And, yeah, spend your time focusing on the kingdom of God, not on these man-made alternatives to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I found in that regards is you can always find a narrative that backs up whatever you're passionate about. So if you if you start getting on these stumps and pushing a narrative, you're always going to find people to back it up. So um, good encouragement to step back and look at it through a different lens. Yeah, thank you. That was a good question, Sam. And Sam, and I, th- I think you're I think you're um, have kind of followed in, in David Brousseau's footsteps there. Um in, in uh, eschewing the news. So I guess I'll be the news junkie on here. So, all right, we better keep <laughs> moving along. The next question uh, we have here, again, it, of course, is, is in light of kind of the Anabaptists and how we lean um, towards uh, the conservative side uh, so quickly, or, or so, so many of us so, so sadly are. And the question goes like this, um, how can we separate ourselves from the flag-waving riders um, you know, the, the, the Jesus saves flag waving riders that stormed the Capitol building um, this past week. Conservative voices, you know, conservative voices speak out against Antifa riots and all that, but have been loudly silent since Wednesday on what happened there. So this, this person is wanting to know, how can we, is there ways that we can separate ourselves? Like, should we try to separate ourselves from, you know, from maybe what people tend to classify us so quickly as, 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 as Christians and people who do look conservative um, from, you know, from, from our, our way we dress, et cetera. Absolutely. We need to separate ourselves from, from that and uh, condemn violence on either side. It's again, it's the same sort of thing. The left we're pretty silent about the violence, you know, from Black Lives Matter and the violence that goes on a lot with Antifa. Um, and then they condemn the storming of the Capitol. And then, yeah, it's the other way. I mean, like like I say, they all have such a double standard. And we as Kingdom Christians have a single standard. What are Jesus's teachings? And yeah, we don't participate in riots and mob actions and storming the capitals or looting 
or any of those things, that we stand apart from all of that. And people should see that in us. I mean, I assume there were no plain people, no conservative Anabaptists involved in that. But we need to separate ourselves from the religious right, from Protestants. And and this is one of the things I probably, uh, a uh, soapbox I get on a lot, but our people read too much Protestant literature. They read too many news things, number one. Number two, too much evangelical Protestant literature Mm -hmm. from people who think this is God's country and uh, flag wavers, and they combine the two that somehow Jesus and the Republican Party are you know, in step, somehow America and Jesus are are all connected together. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that sounds funny to people like Boaz and Rebecca in the Netherlands um, or you in Canada. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Americans think this is God's country. I don't, not Americans in general, but uh, conservative Protestants yes. do. And, and we got to just separate ourselves from that. And, you know, I had a big surprise when I wrote the book in God We Don't Trust, you know, the other day, it didn't even come to my mind. And I'll tell you why is because the book did not get a a real welcome reception among Anabaptists. I mm. thought I was writing what we all believed, you know, and, and I was giving the historical research uh, that lended support to our position of separation from the world of um, not looking at this as God's country, that our country is the kingdom of God. And I quickly found most of my brothers and sisters, yeah, they kind of shied away from that. They weren't comfortable. They thought Mm. I was coming from a liberal perspective, which I wasn't in the least bit. I was coming from a kingdom perspective and just pointing out how this is not God's country, that the American Revolution went totally against Jesus's teaching and so many other things that the settlers did. Now, I was not condemning America in the process. It's not like any other country in the world has a, a better record, and unless it's a you know a very small country somewhere. So that that wasn't my point at all. But I think it was taken that way. But it showed me that our people have imbibed way too much in the theology of the evangelical Protestants. And their outlook towards the United States, instead of looking at God's kingdom and keeping focused on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very good. Thank you for sharing that. And that's a message that we need to keep hearing today. So thank you for being very clear on that, Brother David. Um, so uh, we had a question that just came in via the chat. And this, this, uh, this uh, brother here says this. He said, I have a brother that tries to involve me and he favors the right conservative. Telling him about the kingdom of God and separation from the world falls on deaf ears. How do we handle a situation like this? Good question, David. Yeah, I I, I wish I, I knew if, if um, when people can see the inconsistency and hypocrisy and that sort of thing it it gives an opening if people are are blinded by satan 
they think this is an uh, angel of light. Yeah, they look at the right as if everything is just this is gospel truth and this is the answer to all the world's problems. Uh, we somehow need to convince them the answer is God's kingdom. But you can't convince everyone of, of that. I mean, Jesus was on earth preaching to his own people, performing. He performed more miracles in three years than all of the Old Testament prophets put together. Moses, all of them, the judges, in just three years, Jesus did more than that. And yet only a small number of people, his own people, believed in him. So we're not going to be able to convince everyone. Hopefully, if we live out kingdom principles, at some point, yeah, people will be disappointed in their political solutions and be looking for something that yes. is better. And then that's where we can have an opening. Yes. Amen. So <clears throat> times like this in, in, in this nation, when everything is in disarray, is exciting times for the kingdom of God. Um, you know, I've told people in the last four years, I've seen so many um, people come into the kingdom because they've looked at the right and how the, the church has gotten behind Trump. And they said, now, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this. And they've come back to scripture. They've, they've um, read the teachings of Jesus in a new way. They've, they've uh, listened to, you know, read your book, David Brousseau, whatever. Uh, we've handed those books out. And uh, so many people have, have really been impacted by that. And so it's, it's exciting times uh, when, when the, uh, the idols are being revealed uh, in our day. Yeah. So good question. And finally, we have one last question here um, in kind of in this section, if you will. Um, but I think it's a really important question and it's, and it's shooting for some practical, um, some practical tips here. And that is, what are some clear traits of a kingdom Christian? What are some clear traits of a kingdom Christian? Okay, so one of them would be separation from the world, not just in our dress, Separation from all of the political involvements, hmm. a stance of total neutrality between political parties, between countries. We recognize one country, and I'm not talking about open borders. That, that's not my, my point. One country, sure. as far as the kingdom of God, is made up of people in every nation. We will not go to war because we would be killing our fellow citizens to do that. Uh, so we should be known as people of peace, people who love our neighbor regardless of the color of their skin or their nationality. Um, we have no agenda outside of the agenda set forth by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So I think in a nutshell, that is what people should see in a true uh, kingdom Christian. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I've thought about numerous times as you were articulating these principles and these, and these thoughts, uh, Brother David, is, um, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount Christian idea. I think it was the Waldensians that called themselves that. Um, if we could just get back to that, to that idea. Um, also, you know, and I, I've told people one of our best kept secrets as, as, as followers of Jesus, as Anabaptists, kingdom Christians, if you will, is that we don't vote. Um, you know, I've, uh, there's a, a gentleman who comes into our cafe. He's, he's a, you know, he would be considered a liberal. Uh, he's, and he's an atheist. Um, 
but he's, he's really there because he actually would have grew up in a, in a Christian context, but was absolutely turned off at the Christian right and just threw everything and walked totally away. And then coming into our, our cafe and meeting us there and seeing that there's actually like people who are really committed to Christianity, um, who, who he would have classified as, you know, probably the, the epitome of the right. <laughs> they, they don't vote. And he, it, that just shocked him. He, it turned the fruit basket upside down on his uh, theory of, of, of who Christians are. And, 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 and it enabled so many conversations uh, because he knows that I'm not coming down from the top and, and, and trying to control him with, with some kind of, you know, legislation. Uh, and it's amazing. Like, I, I think it's our best, our, our best kept secret. Wouldn't mind if, if you have any thoughts on that, uh, Brother David, is that something that stood out to you as you came into the Anabaptist world, this non-voting idea, or, or is that, is that something right from the watchtowers? How do they do it? When you were talking about the, the Jehovah Witness, I, I thought of a brochure I had here on my, on my desk. It came in the mail to our cafe. You know, the, the, the JWs are hard at work in State College. Yeah. And, so, and it says, what is the kingdom of God? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they talk about it uh, a lot and they have they have a lot of it right. But it tends to be tied in to the watchtower right. and their theology and mm-hmm. and is limited that way, but they have a lot of that right. And um, I think they've done a good job of separating themselves from the other churches. Well, it's largely in a wrong way because they want to write everyone off as Babylon the Great. But yeah, when we were knocking on doors, yeah. So if we talked to someone like this fellow, we could say, man, we totally agree with you. Yeah, that, you know, political party, whichever one it was, you know, none of them are preaching the truth. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of people that attracted them to the witnesses that we were neutral from from all of that. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, I hated that you you had to say, but I think it was the truth, uh, a well-kept secret. (laughs) It doesn't need to be a secret. We we, people should realize that we as Anabaptists don't vote and all that. Unfortunately, they have seen in the news and other places that that's not always the truth, which is a horrible witness um, for the kingdom of God. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we need to to get that that secret yeah uncovered that people look at us as people separate from the political parties, mm-hmm. separate from just wrong things done in the name of Christ and, and just utter, utterly stupid things like storming the Capitol with signs about Jesus. I mean, that's just so ridiculous, but hopefully it'll open some doors now for kingdom Christianity, you know? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, So yeah, let's, let's make uh, the, 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 the idea, the principle that we don't vote, that's that's shoot leather Christianity. People can like connect to that. Like, oh, so that's what it looks like to be your kind of Christian. And uh, so, yeah, great. Um, Sam, any thoughts from you here uh, or any questions from you? Well, I think talking about clear traits of kingdom Christians, um, what could make us stand out in the world today um, is the approach of, in a, from a position of wanting to help a heart of compassion. Um, so many politics polarize and pit people against each other and woe be us if we're the people in the room that are on the edge of our seats touting some line instead of being you know approaching the the issues from a place of compassion and a um 
a place where we can bring people together instead of tearing them apart. I think that would set us apart from the majority of, of Christians if we can do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, we can come back to this. We can circle back to kind of this, this foundational idea that we're wrestling with here, but let's move into some, maybe some other areas that, uh, of, 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 that the church is facing today. And Sam, I'm, I'm going to let you um, take it from here. All right. Sounds good. Um, so the next batch of questions has to do with um, the church and relating to a lot of the restrictions and the things that the local governments have been mandates that they've been putting out. And it does raise a lot of questions and it can cause some difficulty um, and it's caused issues in certain congregations and groups. Um, so we'll start off with a couple questions on the, along those lines. There's two of them here that I'd like to put together since they're very similar. Um, the first one is, are we close to the Lord's return? Is this pandemic a plague? And I think that's in regards to what Christ was saying about the end times and pestilence in uh, Luke 21. And the next one, I have heard some express unwillingness to comply with pandemic regulations, i.e. masks, um, you know, not meeting, things like that, because they do not want to be a part of the world system as this planet is approaching the prophesied one world order. Is this a correct response? If not, how should we respond to this? Yeah, are we close to the Lord's return? Uh, that is something we don't know. Um, we need to be awake and watchful, but we do that by living out Christ's teachings and and not sitting back and trying to predict the date or uh, this prophecy or that prophecy. Nobody, when Jesus came, nobody had figured out those Old Testament prophecies that pointed to him. The people who followed him, like Peter and John, it wasn't because they had these prophecies all worked out. It's because they looked at this man and could see he's obviously a prophet of God, and we want to follow him. They saw that he was the Messiah. But it wasn't until after he was dead and he was able to open their eyes, the Spirit was poured out, and then they saw the fulfillment of all of these prophecies. So following prophecies and thinking you're going to get it mapped out and figure things out, I, I think is a fool's errand mm -hmm. that it's not going to happen. You can go back at least 500 years and every century people had a list of proofs of why Christ was going to return in their day. In fact, it happened to a lot of the Anabaptists and the ones who got caught up in that are the ones who ended up later taking up the sword and and doing all kinds of unchristian things because they were certain the millennium was was starting and it was time for God's people to take over. So, yeah, is this a plague from God? It could be, but it's just as likely it's it's not. I mean, we don't have any way of knowing that, and I don't think we should be preaching it as something like that. Mm -hmm. Um. But again, God is ultimately in control, and and yeah, I guess we will find out in eternity on that. I am very, very bothered by the fact that so many of our people uh, have defied the laws uh, of various governments, um, 
as far as like wearing masks and things like that. Um, Romans 13 to me is crystal clear. The governments have been put here by God. They're God's minister. And they have the authority to regulate in just about every area except our worship of God. And so if their commandment does not cause us to directly violate a commandment of Jesus Christ, then Jesus's command to us is to obey the government. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to get caught up, to me, it's no different than getting getting caught up in in the political uh, concerns, getting up in all of these prophecies. Of course, Jehovah's Witnesses did that. They were wrong each time. And I'm sure they're still doing it today. I don't read the Watchtower, but I'm sure it's very similar. And so many other groups, they have prophesied this, that, and and they've been wrong. Instead of worrying about that, and and the Bible doesn't say there's going to be one world order. That's somebody who started writing books, and now everyone thinks they read that in Revelation. I mean, it could be that, but yeah, I mean, Revelation doesn't say that but it's caused people to have these uh, unfounded worries and you can turn every single law into, oh, this is a movement towards one world order, you know? Well, you could do the same thing with the U.S. military might if you were going to be consistent. Well, wow, we should get away from uh, the Republican Party because they want America to be the to remain the strongest nation on earth. So that looks like one world government. We, let's move away from that. I mean, it's just very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So um, our response should be to obey Caesar unless it's causing us to violate a law of Jesus Christ. And wearing a mask, wow, how does that violate Jesus's teaching? I mean, I, I, I don't see that. That... Uh, other things, there have been some legitimate issues with COVID regulations, but to me, that is not one of them. Mm-hmm. I guess that kind of leads us to the next one here. It says some of these mandates have been very divisive in congregations because some people are saying, you know, if you wear a mask, you're just following the masses. Um, and if you don't, or we shouldn't, is to take a stand for our own rights. Uh, Why are some congregations resisting this, or why are some conservative groups resisting it so much? And what's the proper way to respond to the polarization? Hmm. Yes, it's, again, these conspiracy theories, and there's two of them. One is so many of our people are caught up in right-wing conspiracies, Mm -hmm. and so they think, okay, these regulations are all of conspiracy to take control of everything. The other one is our people tend to uh, get involved in medical conspiracies and, and yeah, everything the doctors say, we can't believe any of it. And again, the doctors are wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't be cautious that we can't look into other things, but people tend to make a religion of it. And so then something like this comes along and they, in their mind, they think they can just uh, violate Caesar uh, when Jesus tells us we can't because of, you know, oh, well, this is the government trying to take over this, this or, or that. I mean, whether we wear a mask in church or not has nothing to do with that. It in no way affects 
our Christianity. Unfortunately, yeah, our congregations are divided. Uh, in the church I go to, a lot of people don't wear masks. We just love each other and get along with it. I wish it weren't that way. Most do during church. Most most uh, have complied with that, which I have appreciated. Uh, I know some of the ones who don't have already had COVID, and so they uh, would feel like it's unlikely that um, they would get it again and expose someone. And so I, I get that. Um, we haven't had any fallout in our congregation over it, thankfully, and I don't expect we will. But yeah, it's it's getting involved again, reading too many uh, websites and, and stuff like that, listening to too much gossip, that, that is just totally unfounded. Yeah, I would say amen to that. Um, that leads me to a question. There's other questions popping up here, and we'll get to them. Um, it seems this is leading us to another question. Why are Anabaptist folks so susceptible to conspiracy theories? Um, or are we? I mean, it's in yeah. my my experience, it seems to be the case, and I've fallen into that trap in the past as well. Um, why would that be? Is it um, lack of, you know, an education or distrust of government, or what would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, both of those that were listed, um, lack of education. Now, I'm not pushing for, uh, you know, higher education or, or anything like that. Uh, a person can have a high school degree or even a 10th grade education or eighth grade education uh, and still be a thinker, still have an open mind. Um, and someone can have a college degree and, and have a very closed mind. So it's, but yeah, I would say our, our, our people tend to be gullible on things like that. And they listen to too much gossip they're too distrustful of the government. We need to be wary, mm -hmm. um, but that's different than being that, oh, we can't trust anything the government says or, 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 or does. I don't think that's a proper Christian uh, response of honoring um, the government, which we're taught to do in Romans 13, not just to obey them, but to give honor and to just distrust everything that is said I don't think does that. Again, I think there is a proper caution, but mm -hmm. yeah, this is uncalled for the, the the kind of response, particularly when it comes to something as simple as a mask. I mean, personally, right. just so anyone knows, I hate wearing the things. I, I hate them. Right. Um, fog up my glasses and, and yeah. oh man, but I, I'm going to obey what, what Caesar says. It certainly doesn't hurt me to wear a mask. It doesn't violate my Christianity. Mm -hmm. It does show love to other people. There's certainly enough medical evidence that it helps. It's not conclusive evidence. People have shown studies the other way. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, it is based on something reasonable. And, um, of course, other countries like Japan and that, I mean, they're used to doing this all the time. I mean, it's part of U.S. culture that we just don't like anything like that. We're just too independent-minded and, and – uh, yeah, I don't think that's right as Christians to have that sort of response. That's right. Um, so we had some questions come in on the chat line here. How much does 
schisms in the body and ridiculous posturing of administrations in the body of Christ, as though we are many brides competing for the attention of Christ, affect our way of viewing the kingdom of Jesus. It definitely hurts our witness, I will say that, that that we are so disunited in certain respects. I was just having a discussion a few nights ago with a family looking to uh, join a conservative Anabaptist church. I mean, they're looking and uh, wondering which one to join. And I explained there's an, a wonderful unity among the plain people Uh somebody's child goes missing, we're all concerned about it. I mean, we're all praying. We're all, you know, whatever we can do to be involved. Someone's house burns down. There'll be people helping from across many different Anabaptist groups. But then there's this, yeah, division that we, you know, don't meet together. We divide way too easily. And that's a sin. We we shouldn't do that. I don't know if it affects this or not, but um uh, it doesn't help it. I'll, I'll put it that way. Right, right. Um, there's some questions that are sort of along the same lines. I can see that we're probably not going to get to quite to all of them. So I'm <laughs> going to try to lump some of them together. I'm not really surprised that that's happening. And one of them that came in is, does forbidding churches to meet for worship violate the teachings of Christ? And there was another one here that I'm going to put in with this. Um, how vital to Christian fellowship is the holy kiss, as we call it, and should we refuse to refrain from it during this time? And I guess that would be, um, it's not exactly the same, but it's similar. It's not something that we're not commanded, or we're commanded not to do. And then another question was, is there a line that can be drawn as to when to go against the government? And that would be in regards to, um, you know, the mandates to not meeting, right. things like that. What would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, and, and those are very valid questions. Um, like I say, I don't think the mask is it in itself, but yeah, things that, that affect other aspects of the Christian life. Now, in Pennsylvania, when COVID first hit in the middle of March last year, I think most people thought this was going to be fairly short term, at least the intensity, uh, the the intense part of it. Uh, and perhaps I'm wrong on that. But um, so, uh, yeah, they asked churches not to meet. Th- this was not intended for a long period of time, but to hopefully halt the quick spreading of it where hospitals would get overwhelmed, which was happening in New York City and some other places, and and they didn't have enough hospital beds or ventilators, things like that. So the principles involved were obedience to Caesar and loving our neighbor of of not spreading um, a, a virus that was deadly to people, or that would cause, yeah, just hospitals to be filled up and somebody else dies because there's not enough space in the hospital. So our church went to Zoom meetings for, I think, five weeks, perhaps maybe six. Um, And then the government said, you can start meeting in small groups. And so we immediately started doing that. Now, we were in a unique position because we rent our church building. And 
um, from the Seventh Day Adventists, and I think they misunderstood the government, but they they locked the building and and they said, you know, we can't meet there during that time. And I think they misunderstood because uh, you know when the government said you can meet in small groups, we could have met back in the building, except our landlord wouldn't let us. So we were meeting in parks and things like that. And that worked out just fine. I think it would be unhealthy to go very long just using Zoom. Um, A few weeks, I don't think hurt us. But um, I think if it went very long, I I do think it'd be detrimental. So I think every church, uh, every church leader has to weigh those things. Uh, Obedience to the government, loving our neighbor. We don't want to help to spread pandemics. But on the other hand, uh, the body of Christ does need to meet. You can't go long periods without without meeting. So, um, meeting in small groups. I don't. I mean, it would have never reached the point that two families couldn't get together. Um, and and so, yeah. What Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I'm in your midst. So that was always an option. We thought Zoom would be a better option because we could all be together as a congregation. And I was used to doing Zoom meetings with Sattler College. Uh, We did have some technical difficulties getting used to it and and that sort of thing. We were all happy to to get off of it. I I will say that. Uh, So, yeah, I think churches do need to weigh that. I don't think it was wise what happened in our area that before the state lifted the ban, most of the plain churches started meeting and it was very obvious to the whole world. Okay. They're defying the law. I mean, they could have accomplished the same thing meeting in homes, but they met, you know, full congregations. You'd go by the church and the parking lot would be packed full. And to me, that was a very poor witness uh, and I'm sure the world will remember that, and it could have repercussions, you know, years from now. Who knows? In other words, they could have obeyed the command to, uh, you know, not forsake meeting together. You know, that Paul there doesn't say anything about the size of the meeting. Right. I mean, the early Christians had to meet in small groups. They couldn't meet in big assemblies. It was an illegal religion. So they were meeting in little house churches. They have to do that in China. I mean... Um, yeah, that could have, Christ could have been obeyed without just flaunting the law, but I'm, you know, that's, that's my thought on that. Now on the Holy kiss, um, there's two issues here. Um, unfortunately the Anabaptists, I appreciate that, uh, we try to be obedient to every commandment in the scriptures. And Paul many times, uh, says, greet one another with a Holy kiss. And so we obey that. And and we practice it in, in our church. Unfortunately, the Anabaptists somehow got, got it totally wrong how that is practiced in an Eastern culture, what Paul was talking about. I have visited uh, churches made up of Eastern Christians from Iraq and uh, Ethiopia and Egypt and places like that. They practice the Holy Kiss, but it's just yeah on the cheek two men would never kiss on the lips i mean people (laughs) would think you're homosexual that would be a just shocking in their culture to to do that yeah it's on the kiss and sometimes it's just 
two cheeks kind of meet, meeting together, just a, a quick thing. That's how it pra- is practiced. So yeah, you can wear a mask and still do that. Right. Um, I don't know that it reaches the level of a sacrament that when there's a deadly virus, uh, it still can be done. I mean, a lot of us in our church, we do the elbow bump. Um, it has the same significance during this time period. I'm not going to fault someone who wants to do the other, but hey, practice it the biblical way, which is, you know, uh, against the cheek. Wear a mask. It won't affect you doing the holy kiss. So yeah, you can practice the holy kiss and still be obedient to Caesar. Excellent. Thank you for that clarification. I think that was sound. Um, There's another question I would like to get to. It's talking about evangelism, and I think it's pertinent to what we're experiencing as believers. Uh, The question goes like this. What are some ways we should learn to be positive influence in our community? My church has become crippled in its outreach efforts because every method we used before now is unavailable. Singing in the nursing homes, Christmas caroling, track distribution, singing in nearby cities, How do we find replacement things to do? Okay, so (laughs) there's two parts to that question. When I read it, I I had to smile just because it did represent us as conservative Anabaptists. Unfortunately, those methods of outreach, they're not effective. How, How many people have any of us met who have become kingdom Christians because someone handed them a tract on a corner or, or a group was singing uh, on, on the, you know, downtown corner. Um, it's well-meaning, but look at the churches that are growing. Are those the methods of evangelism that they use? No, no, it, it's not. Um, we need to be looking at how we can be effective evangelists. It's yeah. a nice thing. People in a nursing home appreciate it. If if you sing, but you're not going to make converts or not anyone who's probably going to be in their heart a, a true kingdom Christian. Um, the same way with Christmas caroling. Um, again, it, it's a goodwill thing, but it it doesn't make converts. Um, and of course, some Christians would you know would would object to being involved with Christmas anyway. So I'm not going to get into that uh, right now, but. Um, what we accidentally found out as a church, and I mean accidentally, uh, was that the best way to reach people nowadays is over the internet. I mean, we had things, you know, scroll publishing, and uh, we were posting our sermons. We It wasn't our main method of evangelism. It would have been way down the list. And next thing we know, people showing up in our church because of these internet connections, which totally surprised us. We, we were trying to get the message out to the whole world by putting it on the internet, but we didn't think it would help us locally um, bring people to our church. And so, yeah, if you want to be effective right now, the internet is where people go. YouTube channels is how you are going to find people. And thankfully COVID doesn't affect that in the least. In fact, it has the opposite effect, particularly when there was a lockdown or countries where there is people spend more time on the internet. So it's an excellent time to reach people. There were perhaps other things we could have done at the beginning of COVID that would have been 
a very nice goodwill gesture. When masks were not common, you couldn't find them in stores. I know of a sister in our congregation who was sewing them and making them available for free to people. Um, that would have been a great way to witness, you know, to let people know, okay, we've got cloth mask. If someone needs one, um, our church gives them away for free. I mean, nowadays you can buy them. They're readily available, so it's not any big, big thing. I think that would have been helpful at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, that, you know, that's one thing that crossed my mind. But yeah, evangelism doesn't have to stop. You just need to change your method. And like I say, most of the churches that are that have been growing a lot, they long ago, you know, moved away from handing out tracks or singing or, or something like that. That was effective at one time, but but not not nowadays. Right. Yeah. So much of sharing the gospel is a rela- is a relational thing. Um, so we can be looking for opportunities in our communities where we hear of people that are hurting because of, you know, losing their job or things like that and reach out to them. Um, yeah. We can, you know, go visit our neighbors, make sure there's not issues. You might not be able to go in their houses, but you can stand on their porch and make sure they don't have any needs. And we can reach out in our communities in ways. And this is probably a good opportunity to explore those other options of um, building relationships and then through the relationships, sharing the gospel of the kingdom to mm. the people. Amen. And uh, again, it's in our area, like I say, it has offended a lot of people because they see uh, plain people going around without masks, you know, even going into buildings where it says on the door, you must wear a mask to come in here. And they go in anyway with without one. Um, it, it's a poor witness to uh, a lot of the population. Now, <laughs> a lot of the population where I live, it's it's divided equally, Democrat, Republican. So probably a lot are saying, hey, go for it. Um, you may have made some points there, but you've offended a lot of other people too in the process. So yeah, we should we should keep that in mind too of, of our witness. Uh, even if we think uh, COVID isn't something we need personally to be worried about, we should still think of the impact of our conduct, the witness it has on other people. Amen. Yeah. Brian, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, I really appreciate what you all shared here, Brother David. Uh, definitely, um, I think every person in this group, you know, is, is, is connected, is engaged with the subject because it's so relevant. Um, one question that you didn't hit there, Sam, and I want to bring it up here is the question goes like this. Um, how can we engage fundamentalists who want to focus on returning to things as they were rather than looking at the opportunities that could be right in front of our eyes? So that's a kind of a pack, kind of a pack question there, Brother Dave, all yours. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I would love it if we could return to the 1950s, except for some of the bad things. If we could change those bad things that were there, racial prejudice <laughs> being probably the top one. Right. I, I would love that. It's not going to happen. We're not going to turn the clock back. I mean, even no matter how politically we are uh, involved it's just not going to happen. And that wasn't the kingdom of, of God. Uh, I mean, it was better than I think society today in, in most respects, not in all respects, but it still was far from the kingdom of God. So yeah, in engaging a fundamentalist, it's not returning to 
this era or that. It's returning to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that was countercultural mm-hmm. in Jesus's day, in Paul's day, mm-hmm. in the days of the early Christians, in the days of the Waldensians, Anabaptists. It's always going against the culture around us. So that's what we need to look at is the kingdom of God, how it's to be played out, and how we in our lives can be a light, um, not through politics, but, you know, as Sam was sharing, in in caring about our neighbor, and um, where people will look at kingdom Christians as these are people who really love their neighbor, uh, who people who really have eschewed violence as ever being a solution to, to anything. Um, people who just are not part of this world and can really speak about a kingdom that is not part of this world. But when we're tied up in the, in this world, like most of the religious right is, and the religious left is, is, you know, we're not as familiar with them, but I guarantee you they're just as involved in the world. It's just on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not going to teach people the kingdom of God. Right. Amen. There's one thing that's comfort to me in all of it is the kingdom principles never changed. Um, you know, when this pandemic first came around and all this, we start, you know, throwing up our hands. How are we going to relate to these things that we're not accustomed to? Mandates coming down that we're not sure how to handle. The kingdom principles haven't changed. The mandate for the church hasn't changed. Um, Amen. A good thing you know, get together with the brothers and discuss what, you know, the, the clarion call of the kingdom is and the principles of the kingdom are and work off of that basis. We know that our king built the ch- is building his church on a rock and that's, you know, it's not going to change. So in all the questions, you know, we still have kingdom principles that are underlying that will not change regardless of what comes even in our lifetime or, you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. Um, so that we have two more two more questions here yet that we haven't gotten to. <laughs> and I would uh, it's, it, what time is it here? Four ten. So if you got to go, you you have to you can hop off. Um, but it's something that I, I care deeply about, and uh, I, I really want to hear your input. Um, so the first question is: How do we discern uh, what what fake news is from the real? And I kind of asked that question with a with kind of a, a funny grin on my face there, Brother David. I know that you don't read the news that much, but for news junkie like, junkies like myself, and and the reality is we got you know we have the internet just piping information into us, and so there's many people that are being pulled into um, you know narratives because well maybe they watched a video on YouTube, uh, and and now YouTube is coffering up that particular subject it's like. So what is what are some principles there? If you have any for us, I'm sure you do. And then lastly, like go on with this is when Christians spread unfound conspiracy theories, will that harm us and our witness for Christ? Which is a question. Yeah, it's a question. So is it just a ah, big deal? It's it's it is what it is. Eh, not a big deal. Or is it actually a big deal? Oh, I think it definitely harms us. Um, our credibility then. <laughs> Why would anyone believe us when we talk about this kingdom that is mm-hmm. not of this world if they've seen we've been touting this or that? And it can be in a lot of areas. And 
yeah, it proved to be untrue. Well, then that's just hurt our credibility in a big way and totally unnecessarily. Those things have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. We might want to have our personal belief about this or that, um, but, and I'm talking both politics, economics, medical, you know, you name it. Um, uh, you can personally think this or that about a solution uh, or a subject. But when we start touting these things and we are dead wrong on it, yeah, it badly hurts our credibility. So how do we discern um, if you're a news junkie is, well, number one, you've got to know that everyone is giving you the most a half truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, long before the news was so politicized, I mean, when I was growing up, there was bias in the news, but nothing like today. I mean, there was some objectivity. Uh, if you read a newspaper in the editorial page, you know, it would give an editorial from this side and then another one from this side. You could kind of see both sides of things. Um, most towns had big cities had at least two newspapers and one would be more liberal, one would be more conservative. You, you, you had some choices. I mean, nowadays, it's not much. So if you're going to be, you know, going to those things, pick a conservative source. Um, if you're reading, the Wall Street Journal would probably be the the, uh, the best. It, it doesn't get into conspiracy theories and that sort of thing. Um, uh, Fox News, if you're not, not, not a reader, and then read something from, from the left. I mean, they're both going to be giving you half truths, half lies. At least you're getting more of a full story. And then I used to always like to go to another country like BBC and, and see what they were saying um, from you know outside of the United States altogether. Not that they're neutral. I mean, most of Europe would be very left compared to the United States. So it, it's not like it's a neutral source. But it's another third thing. And I would try to mix all that together and at least come up with with something, which was usually who knows what's true when I got through. But but mm-hmm. it, at least <laughs> I didn't go away believing uh, just a half truth from it. That That's really good. Um, I, I appreciate that. You know, and one of the things that that I've tried to to to, to do is is listen to people around me that I know and trust people who, who have a clear clarion, you know, two kingdom framework, um, you know, people who are, you know, have more experience than I and surround yourself with those kind of people to help you kind of cut through that, that noise and not go down some kind of bunny hole of some sort. So yeah, very good. Um, lots of really good things here, brother David. Um, we better wrap this up here. So thank you so much for, for joining us here and, and sharing for doing this hard work of, of, uh, answering these, these questions. Um, so I think what we're going to do here is I want to read two verses out of Hebrews 12, and then we're going to say the Lord's prayer together. And then after that, I just have a couple more announcements uh, to make. Um, so Sam, you, you ready to move on here and, 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 and wrap it up here. Are we, we good? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, David. We really appreciate you uh, being on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I I enjoyed it. 
And uh, yeah, I want to say hi. I don't see everybody. I just see a few of the screens, but I recognize some faces there and want to say hi to you. <laughs> yeah, but Brother David, you have, um, you know, you, you started just the other other couple couple Sundays ago at your church and you were telling us how, uh, or one of your brothers there was, is how a number of years ago, you know, it felt like you were the only one preaching the kingdom message. And um, thank you for hanging in there and, and continue to preach it and write about it. It's impacted so many people. So God bless you richly. You endeavor for that. Yeah, um, God so bless you Hebrews, for what you're doing. Thank you. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, um, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. And let's just pray that prayer together that he's taught us to pray. Um, put your put your uh, audio on mute, and I'll, I'll just be the one on audio here. That works a lot better that way. Let's, uh, let's just bow our heads and pray, that, pray this prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So thank you again for joining us. There's a couple quick announcements here for a good message on the Lord's Prayer. You can hop to our uh, Strength of Strength site and uh, John D. preached on that uh, a week ago. That was a blessing. Uh, also here, Lord willing, uh, a little over a month from now, February 13th, we plan to have another one of these special events here with Strength of Strength. And Dean Taylor is joining us in the morning at 6 and also in the afternoon at 3 uh, talking about Christian and politics and a lesson from history. Um, so we look forward to that. Um, also, this morning at six, we had uh, as many people on as this afternoon at three. Um, we, had, we had a big turnout this morning as well. Um, and Patrick Matthews, Andrew Kurtz, and uh, Jonathan Heisey talked about some of, the, some of the ways they're stewarding this time. Our, our topic was let's not let a good crisis or not let a crisis go to waste. Um, so that was really challenging, talking about uh, some real practical ways. Uh, I was really blessed with Andrew Kurtz's topic or talk there and how they're just getting food boxes and delivering them. They were, they were delivering them today um, there uh, in, in, in Mass. So that, that, that's a real, real exciting to see that. So that, that, that uh, video is actually up already, uh, the audio and, and video there uh, on the Strength to Strength site. So God bless you. Um, thank you so much for coming. And y'all have a blessed evening. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. 